Doc Rivers continues to time and time again not get it when it comes to getting... Oh! Let him play! Good evening, sports fans! And a pleasure to have you here back on Sandwich Sports um, as we cover another incredible Masters tournament. It's good to have you all here. My name is Dave Medina. You know me as Dave is eating a sandwich on numerous social media platforms and here on this channel, which is which is our Twitch channel. It's nice to see you all back again. Um, uh, we have... It's been a little bit since we've done sports. We last were covering the Sweet 16 round of the NCAA tournament. So for with that said, um, big time congratulations to UConn, who ultimately breezed through the tournament. It was actually rather rather easy for them. But uh, we kind of roll in, in from that. We rolled into into more into pro golf. And we had a really awesome Masters tournament this um, in the um, over the weekend. Really great stuff. John Rahm, your winner. Really good thing. Good things happening. Um, so, uh, all of you, to all of you who are in our chat tonight, thank you so much for joining us tonight. We're going to talk some golf for a couple hours, and then we're going to raid out over on Twitch and, uh, go find something cool to, to hang out with after our show. And, uh, so let's first introduce our, introduce our panelists of the evening. Mike will be on his way, on his way shortly, but John and, and Andy are, are, are with us on the call. So first then let us say hello. Then, um, give me a sec here. Uh, I'm going to do this whole thing. Um, but let's go say hi to John first. John, good to have you back. How's it going tonight? Welcome in. What's up, Dave? Andy, good to be back. Another major has come and gone, and we're here to discuss all the hot topics. So, um, should be a should be an interesting night for sure. Yeah, a lot of hot 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 topicery, I guess you could say. Um, definitely a lot of storylines circling around this tournament. You had the inclusion of live players in for the first time since there since live was instituted. You have uh, really you know turn back the clock moments from Phil Mickelson and turn forward the clock in a way from Tiger. Um, let's go say hi to Andy as well. Andy, it's good to see you again. How's it going tonight? Doing well. Yeah, looking forward to talking uh, some golf. But first, uh, just a little side note: um, Oh baby and fiddle can uh, go straight to hell. Uh, All right. They think they know why I left Discord, but they don't fucking know. Um, so we'll just leave it at that. Um, they can fucking go to hell. But uh, yeah, let's let's talk golf. All right. Well, let's let us talk about golf. Mike will be joining us shortly. Um, let's let's get in. Let's go over to. Uh, to, to John and uh, yeah, I mean, I think the first thing we want to get into is John Rom's performance. I mean, John started off with a really horrific, horrific, uh, um, a horrific, with well, a horrific round in the in the first hole. Oh, Mike's just joined us. Okay, great. So we'll say hi, Mike, Mike in a second. But um, but anyway, he did. He came back from that, and he actually played really good golf every, from that point thereafter. It's kind of amazing what's happened. Um, in the in the uh, in, in pretty much the entirety of this, this the weekend since then, Kepka was also great. He had the lead for a lot of the tournament, and there are many rain delays. The weather was wild; the trees were getting knocked over. It was getting kind of crazy. Um, and uh, we will go over to. Let's go say hi to Mike. Mike, it is good to have you back on the show. Welcome, welcome to our ne our next season of Masters of Masters recap shows. Mike, it's good to have you back. How's it going tonight? Good, Dave. Thank you for having me. Uh, I apologize for the technical uh, glitches I had logging on today. I guess my work life is now following me home because that's what I deal with all day at work. But, uh, <laughs> it's 
that we got it uh, figured out. Okay. No, absolutely. Absolutely. It's good to see good to see you again, Mike. Um, but, you know, Zoom can be pesky sometimes technology-wise, especially if you hadn't used it for a while. And that does happen to all of us, I'm sure. So um, let's just stay with you for a second. Let's let's talk about let's talk about the journey of this Masters tournament. A very good tournament, even though it was pretty much decided around the turn on Sunday because Kepka just could not hit a birdie to save his life for the meat of the of the final day, and it was it was kind of a, dis- a very disappointing ending. But certainly, just to see him in the mix again was kind of, it was really a sight to see. But same thing for John Rahm, really good stuff. And then Phil Mickelson. Tied for second, which he had some extraordinary shots. It was kind of remarkable to see that he could still do that. It's very, very advanced age for a golfer. Uh, but, Mike, we'll give it to you first. Forget your takeaways from just kind of your over your look at Rom's big, big victory and then what he did to get there. I mean, there's just so much to unpack. So I've just, I'm just going to give you the floor instead so you can help, help us unpack everything that happened over the weekend to start. Sure. So uh, up front, before I go any further, uh, just for full clarification purposes, I had money on Brooks Kepka outright to win this tournament. Oh, so wait. I was watching this very much with a vested interest. Um, wow. But listen, I've watched enough golf in my life to know that having a, what, four or five stroke lead when not everyone's completed the second round doesn't really mean that much. And then when Rom, you know, uh, followed up, yeah, his good first round with another good second round. I thought to myself, well, we're going to have a battle here. And, you know, even though kept one week before, I knew Rom wasn't going to be going away because as we alluded to the last time uh, we were here for the Players' Championship show, he's been off to, frankly, a historic start to his season. Um, I believe now he is – well, Scotty Scheffler did it last year, but him and Scotty Scheffler are like two of uh, only three people ever to have four calendar year wins – uh, by the time it got into the Masters. So, yeah, like you were alluding to, Dave, uh, it was a strange tournament just in terms of timing with everything. We knew that was going to be the case going in. In fact, I would say it's pretty. we were pretty lucky that they got the tournament in on time. Uh, much of that is really due to just the you know crazy technology they have at Augusta National with the uh, sub-air systems on the greens, able to uh, you know dry everything out. Uh, and luckily no one was hurt when those trees came falling down. But um, if we're going to go into, well, leading into the final round, really they start that third round and we'll get into what happened with the coverage. I'm sure later on, because that was a disaster. What happened where, where it's strange because the, the masters has not had a misstep with anything in years and they, they had a big one here, but putting that aside, um, when we resume the third round, it starts off right away with this uh, two shot swing, and uh, Rom is able to get two shots closer, and it stays close up until then. And uh, Kepka goes into the final round with a lead, but not a huge lead, not anything that we, we know what can happen to Augusta National. People can get hot, people can shoot low scores. So nothing uh, really that was overwhelming or anything that would necessarily require a choke not to come through. But you could tell right away that Kepka was off because you look at his first drive, the first drive, that thing went off at like almost a 45 degree angle left. Like that's my big miss in golf now is just the dead pole fairway wood or driver that, you know what? Like I literally see the thing launch one second and I'm reaching for another ball. That's basically what happened. But because he had a whole nother fairway next to him, that's where he landed and he was able to get on the green. 
But, you know, Kepka was not right because he has the, the driveway left on one. On two, he hits a great drive, but he puts his second shot in the one place on two on with your second shot where you cannot put it to the Sunday pin, which is short and right because you have no green to work with. Uh, he's not able to make birdie there. Then on three to again show you that he's off. Okay, he, he puts his drive and his pitch in a decent place, but his putt was nowhere close there. And then he runs into that stretch for into the bunker, makes bogey. He's not able to get up and down off of six. Now, those were tough holes. And really, I think that was the big critical stretch there because Rom did not get off to a particularly great start either. Uh, missed the green at one. He was not able to birdie two. He hit his uh, driveway right. He makes a nice birdie on three. But really where Kepka started to leak oil, Kepka leaked oil in what is a difficult part of the course, four, five, and six. Four, obviously, is that 240-yard par three. Uh, that destroyed Phil Mickelson's chances in 2012 or 2013, I believe. Five, we know about it's a 500-yard par uh, four with a crazy green. And then six with that Sunday pin up on the knob in the back right. That's difficult, too. And what Rom is able to do is he's able to get through that stretch of holes, four, five, six, par, 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 particularly on five and six um, with the long lag putt on five and then another long lag putt on six. So that was important. And then just Kepka, just uh, the wheels just start coming off. Um, and also where Rom was, and by the time we got to the back nine, Rom is ahead. And you're kind of thinking to yourself, well, he's going to have to make a mistake now for Kepka to get back in it. And the places you can really make mistakes, 10, 11, 12. And he's able to get through that all right. And then he, you know, he gets his second shot uh, just left of the green on 13, makes birdie there, makes a really nice birdie on 14, which can be a tricky hole because it bends a little bit to the left, but the fairway shoots off to the right. And uh, that doesn't really shoot Rom's uh, shot shape, but he's able to, from the uh, first cut of rough on the right, hit this like low chippy wedge that gets to a few feet, makes his birdie and away we go. And, um, yeah, Kepka just he made some uh, birdies on a back nine, 13 and 15, but it was too little too late at that point, and he wasn't able to stave off the bogey. So, yeah, just a uh, very solid performance by John Rahm. It's something where, if, if you want to be honest about it, like he played a good round of golf on Sunday, not a great round. It's something where, you know, you know if uh, the one guy who was there with him had brought his a game where maybe it wouldn't have been uh, enough to win, but you know, that's why we play multiple rounds of golf, three rounds on live four rounds on PGA tour. What may it be? It's really about putting together all of those holds. It's not about what you do necessarily in one round and where Rom really won. This was the very good performance over the first two rounds and then having to complete uh, complete the round in those terrible conditions in the morning with the cold and the rain. He was able to hold it together, unlike Justin Thomas, who completely imploded. He kept uh, th That's really what won him the tournament there, was persevering through those difficult conditions and ensuring that it was going to be himself and Brooks Kepka um, separating themselves for the field, where really then all you got to worry about is, well, I just got to be a couple strokes better than this other guy. And 
That's what he did. In fact, he was six strokes better. So a uh, very nice win for John Rahm. He is now the first player from Europe, I believe, to have both a Masters and a U.S. Open, which is I heard that. And I was like, oh, that seems almost hard to believe, but I guess it's true. And Faldo didn't never won a uh, U.S. Open. Seve never won a U.S. Open. So, um, you know, for a guy who Rom basically he came onto the scene in 2016. He immediately started contending in tournaments. He won very early on in 2017. But you know what? Then it took him a few years to win a major, and we're kind of wondering, well, you know, wh- when is this going to happen? But you know, he's answered the bell here with that U.S. Open win at Torrey Pines two years ago. He had a uncharacter uncharacteristically poor performance in the majors last year for whatever reason, but uh, he bounces back. Um, and captures a green jacket. Now the third player from, or the fourth player, excuse me, from Spain to do so. So, which is a somewhat remarkable stat. So uh, impressive win. And really, you know, the sky's the limit for John Rahm right here. It, it seems like this year that he's found this extra gear Four wins already. Um, he's going to go to a, a, a revamped Oak Hill, which should suit him much more so than Oak Hill would have suited him 10 years ago before this restoration. And then L.A. Country Club uh, seems like it'll be a big hitter's park, too. So, you know, he, he's got a chance to win multiple majors here. I, I really think. Uh, in fact, I might put a wager on that. I'll, I'll see if any of the books will allow me to just say Rom to win one of the next three majors, because I think that'd be a solid bet. It's pretty good. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and, you know, he he's definitely still got a he's still kind of at the pretty young. Like you said, like he's not that old at all. I think he might be. What would you say? Early 30s, Mike? Me mid thirties? No, most. he's not even that old, Dave. He's in his yeah. mid to late twenties. Wow, he's like twenty six, maybe twenty seven. Yeah. Oh gosh, yeah, he's just getting started. That's crazy. Well, John, let's bring it to you. Let's get your thoughts on Rom's performance. It obviously was very. There's a lot of lot of great things happening for Rom on this weekend. Yeah, I mean, you know, he starts off the tournament with a four pot on the first hole. And I'm just kicking myself for not going on to the sports book and like betting him at, you know, his odds probably dropped from eight to one to like 16 to one or something after that first hole. And, you know, as soon as he, you know, uh, picks up the, the, his play, like he recovers and then um, ends up shooting 60, uh, sorry, 65, he plays nine under from that point. Um, you know, the, the value on the, on the bet was gone, um, at that stage, but, uh, he just played really solid golf all week and that's what he's been doing all year. Um, I know we'll get to some of the disappointments after, but the difference between Rom and Scheffler and McElroy is that McElroy has such a low floor. Like he can shoot plus five easily. Whereas John Rom and Scotty Scheffler, like Scheffler is the perfect example. He had nothing really on the greens all week really didn't play that well at all. And he still was, you know, up like four or five under by the back nine on Sunday before the little part three got in. Um, and that's the same thing with Ron. Like he, his game is so good right now. He's just going to be in contention every single week. He tees it up. Um, you know, he, he's long and straight off the tee. He's got incredible touch around the greens and his putter. He's just so clutch um, with, you know, the, the mid range putts that you need to make for, to save par, especially at Augusta. Um, and you saw that numerous times over the weekend, um, you know, and I, you know, I thought one, one of the things where he kind of gets himself into trouble and we've seen it in the past is his attitude really gets himself down. You know, if he has a bad hole, 
um, you know, if a, a bounce goes in the wrong direction, he'll like lose his shit basically. And it could completely just take him out of his, his mind and out of his game. And that didn't happen this week. Like when I saw the reports of like the horrible weather conditions, I'm like, oh man, like this, this might not be great for old uh, John Rahm if, you know, he, he gets to play in the, in some bad conditions, but he sure proved that he could handle it mentally. And especially too, after that first hole on Thursday, but another perfect example, he could have in the past tournaments, like he might've like just shot four over and just, you know, gone home at that point, but he persevered. And um, once he got into contention, like you just, he, he was the guy to, to win. Like I know Kepka was playing really well. You know, we you saw jokes on the internet about how, Oh, well maybe he thought he was waiting for the green jacket after the 54th hole. Cause that's all he does on, on live. <laughs> that's but, funny. You know? Yeah. Uh, you know, and then he couldn't handle the fourth round cause he hasn't played a fourth round in so long. Um, same, same with Nance. He was cracking me up saying, Oh, Hey, look, there's Brooks's ball on the CW. I mean, the crosswalk, <laughs> you know, re- referencing that live golf wow. and, you know, obviously on the CW. So Nance was throwing shade too, even, you know, indirectly, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I don't know what else can be said about about Rom's performance. Uh, clearly, him and I think him and Scheffler are just going to go back and forth with majors. Um, you know, and of course, there's other guys that can sneak in there and win one, but those are the, the two guys to beat right now, just the way they're playing. And I agree with Mike. I could definitely see Rom winning um, another one this year. He's just he's just so good at the moment. So um, definitely good times for the game of golf um, to have top players just like dominating like this and you i like i can't think of the last time like we had like a real long shot winner i, I guess you could say um hideyama at bay hill was like the last really like kind of out of the blue winner on the pga tour so um you know you, you, you love to see the, the dominant guys and the top players contending each and every week it's it is really cool and 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 i thought Shuffler did all right too i mean he was not nearly in on in, he was not in the same in the same you know in the top 10 or the top five at the end of the tournament but he did all right i thought he did okay um there we'll definitely get to surprise and disappointments later uh tommy k003 our friend tom in new jersey asks how did you get the cool background mike we'll get to that in a second but uh over to andy first you know what can you say about rom andy i mean anything you want to add as far as rom's performance and and the final and and the the, the battle at the top yeah, I mean, both those guys nailed it. Um, you know, this is why you don't take a temperature of a golf tournament three hours into round one on Thursday because, you know, anyone that thought Victor Hovland was going to run run away with it when half the field hadn't even teed off just needs their head examined. And Rom had a double bogey on the first hole and take away that double bogey basically shoots like a 63 on round one. So, um yeah, man. I mean, Rama Lama, ding dong. He, he's, he's, you know, he's a brute. Kepka's a brute. Um, I was a little surprised, like, you know, Kepka was just so flat that end of round three. And as Mike highlighted the start of round four with, you know, right off the, right at the start, um, you know, it's not like Kepka like played like absolute crap. He just expected more, you know, as Francesa tweeted, like Kepka loves to talk. Uh, you know, he kind of carries himself as like a, like a third baseman, like Troy Gloss type that he always feels like he's getting slighted. He's never gotten a good call from an umpire. And he just looks, he just looks angry and it just didn't, didn't work out for him. You know, Rom, as John mentioned, yeah, he, he's got a uh, historic, 
examples where he can kind of, you know, lose it, throw clubs, you know, hothead ROM, but he's kind of grown from that. Um, you know, what's strange about ROM, you know, he came out guns blazing with Hawaii and Los Angeles and Palm Springs. Um, and then it was like, this is the year of the ROM. This is the year of the ROM. And then he withdrew from, the Florida uh, Players Championship with a tummy ache. Uh, he didn't play all that well in match play, although that match play format, you know, it's really easy to not advance into the into the group of 16 because of the way the format is. But, you know, after those two tournaments, like, hmm, what, what's going on with John Rahm? And, you know, everyone was like, myself included, was buying in on the Spieth Easter magic and um, – and some of the other guys, you know, Scotty Scheffler, you know, he wants to get his, you know, Chef Scotty part two. Um, but, it, you know, but Rom, he elevated his game. Uh, you know, he, he, you'd be foolish not to, you know, think he's going to be in the mix uh, in the U.S. Open in your backyard, Dave, in, you know, two months' time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would, I would probably, if I were to bet, I would probably like lay low on on Rom in the PGA Championship and and wait to for LA Country Club. But you know, maybe bet them both. I I don't know. But you know what's what's funny, and I'm sure you'll talk about the weather. And uh, we usually don't play the what if game, but I would be curious to see what would have happened because it was a four shot lead. Rom was down four shots when they called the round for the day on, on Saturday, it would have been interesting to see if the, if this course wasn't completely saturated and they actually, and they played, obviously they didn't. So it's just, it's a hypothetical conversation, but I wonder what would have happened. And then I feel like Cantlay's snail tortoise play affected Kepka more than affected Rom. Um, that's just my opinion. I feel like, um, Rom didn't let it bother him as much as, as Kepka because both those guys play fast. Um, and Cantley, it's not, it's weird. Everyone's making this big deal that Cantley's slow. It's like, where the hell have y'all been for the last three years? Like, dude has been slow for not just Masters weekend, um, but it was definitely amplified on that final round, uh, on Sunday. But yeah, it's, it's the, the year of the Rom is, is back on schedule and kudos to him for, Playing, uh, you know, everyone's kind of giving them a little too much credit for playing the Heritage this week. I mean, I mean, it's only you're only going from Augusta, Georgia to Hilton Head, South Carolina, and you're getting, you know, all the nice amenities and the seafood towers and all the all the love. So, you know, let's take it easy. But yeah, good good for him. He could have easily withdrew and and just gone on a total bender. But you know, he's competitive and. Uh, He'll, he'll be ready to play <laughs> tee it up tomorrow i like it yeah i think the, the the near future all does indeed set up really well for rom so it's exciting times for for him and his family so let's go back to mike um yeah where did you get the cool background one but then let's talk about the rest of the field including a great performance by phil so Liv did have a little bit of of matt a little bit of magic in the, in the name in the in the form of phil mickelson so that you had that at least Tiger was a big old mixed bag, I'm sure. We'll address that, too. The weather was a big thing. So, Mike, I'll give you the floor and, and talk about some of the other notables from the rest of the field. 
So Tommy wants to know about my Zoom background. <laughs> that, that, that's the riveting content we're providing to the listeners. You just Tommy doesn't to know where that is. He's not a golf fan. Oh, okay. So right behind me, that is the 18th hole at Harbortown, which is the course they're playing uh, uh, this week. So mm-hmm. it's a place that's near and dear to my heart because I would go on vacation there all the time as a kid. So I've just chosen that. I figure it's a... Uh, better background than seeing a recliner and shit strewn all around behind me so (laughs) so uh all right so you wanted to talk about live and their week and that next right dave well yeah i mean just just a general thing about the rest of the field i mean live is definitely a big part of that live did not do so well in this tournament other than phil i mean phil did a, a phil time for second is really wild to me but give him a lot of credit he had some great shots but anyway i'll give it back give it back to you for your thoughts on other folks in in the field. Well, I, I think there's a few things at play here. Um, I think the big thing for live this week was not so much having three guys in the top five or top six with ties, but more so that we're seeing now that Kepka looks like he could get back to being, if not necessarily the guy that he was close to it, someone that could, get in the mix and win another two or three majors. And if Kepka wins another two or three majors, he has six or seven. And that puts him with guys like Lee Trevino and Arnold Palmer and Tom Watson. And if you have a guy who stockpiles that many majors on your tour, that's a big get to have. So that's really what I think their big win was here was that Kepka because when Kepka went, it's like, okay, yeah, he's a big name, but he's got all these injury problems and it looks like his confidence and maybe his interest in the game is completely shot. But I don't know. Now, it, now it looks like he's back to being one of the top players in the world. And, you know, he'll only really play against, uh, you know, besides the Dustin Johnson's and Cam Smith's of the world four times a year. But if Liv has a guy like that, that that's a good draw for them. Um, as for Phil, yeah, uh, I, I don't know what to make of that. He's been doing absolutely nothing on Live since it started. He hasn't really done much of anything since the 2021 PGA. Um, but listen, what can you say? The guy shot seven under for his round, and he shot – I think he was, uh, what, even par after five, so – Minus seven through his last 12 holes to get a tied for second. He now has 12 second place finishes in majors. That is second to only Jack Nicholas. That's, uh, you know, he rang off like another check mark for an incredible career. And when you want to evaluate him where he stands all time, even though he really didn't have a realistic chance to win this, this is another feather in the cap towards, um, you know, making that argument or, you know, putting forth a strong point for him. Um, one of the weird things about the dynamic this week, and I will be very interested to see what it will be like um, in Rochester next month, because you almost felt like this sense of calmness for the first time about this whole PGA Tour live split. Now, I'm not sure if that's because the players feel that there's this sense of stability for the first time that we kind of know who's gone to live and we kind of know who's going to be sticking around and not so much is up in the air right now. I don't know if it's that or it's so much that, Hey, this is the masters. And we know for the sake of the tournament and whatnot, 
this all has to go on the back burner because it, it really did for the first time. I mean, absent like, you know, Nance making comment, but so what? He says he's on the CW. Okay, everyone gets a big chuckle. Um, so I don't know. I, I'll be interested to see what the vibe is, what the talk is about Live versus the PGA Tour at the PGA Championship to really weigh in more, to, to really sort of answer that question because I, I don't know what the answer is. I'll tell you what I do think uh, helped Kepka a little bit. One of the things that came out this week, which is pretty interesting, is that it seems like Kepka, for whatever reason, I guess because he had a good rapport with a lot of the bigger name players, has remained on very good terms with guys like Rory McIlroy and Scotty Scheffler and whatnot. Uh, you know, they, they, they're practicing together all the time in Jupiter and discussing what's going on with the rollback of the golf ball. So I don't think uh, Kepka went into this tournament with any sort of like awkward feeling or uh, feeling like, hey, people are peering at me. They don't want me here. He's like, no, you know, I've remained friends with these guys. We play together all the time. So the awkwardness is gone. So, um, but yeah, we'll see where this goes. Uh, I I think the, the biggest takeaway, again, as I said, was that it looks like Kepka's back to being a top player in the world, which is a boon for Liv. But We'll, we'll see what happens with Liv going forward. They really got to improve the television ratings. They're atrocious. I mean, I think they'll have a good week in Australia because that is very much a big golf place and they don't get major events. So I think you will actually see like good crowds at a live event there, but it probably won't do anything on the TV here. So um, listen, they, they should get a boost off of this, off of Kepka's performance. And then I think, people tune in maybe to the next live event if it's not during the middle of the night whichever the next one is that's not going to be that to see phil based on what he did but uh yeah uh i think a, a somewhat better than expected week for them considering that they you know they haven't had a good few weeks leading up to the uh masters this year yeah, there's no doubt. We were talking about that the last time we were together. Like okay? we we got into some of the struggles that the live have, have been having recently. So uh, really interesting stuff there, Mike. Thanks for breaking that all down. I mean, and Andy, we'll get to give it to you for anything you want to punctuate as far. Oh no, actually, we should go to John first. Excuse me. We we, we should, we'll go we'll go to John next, and your thoughts on the rest of the field. And there is a lot to talk about here. We everything from you know live players to Tiger to to Rory to anybody to many many different players we can get into, and we will do surprises and disappointments in in the next segment. But uh, John, your thoughts and other notables from the rest of the field. Yeah, I mean, live, you know, I mean, they had a decent week, I guess. I mean, Kepka was right there. Um, Mickelson, obviously, I I literally, like, had no expectations for him coming in. Like, he was one of the last players I would have thought would have made a, you know, he wasn't in contention to win. But, like, if you had told me before the week, Phil Mickelson coming in second place, like, I would have laughed in your face. Because he had done nothing. Um, like Mike has said, on, on Live Golf, he's just been playing so terrible, which kind of leads me to believe one of the theories that I had. It's just like those tournaments are essentially meaningless to these guys and just like practice, basically. They're just they're getting paid regardless. They're just showing up and just kind of half-assing it. That's why you're seeing guys who actually care uh, to win. Like, you know, we saw Brendan Steele and uh, Danny Lee and uh, Charles Howell like winning these, these Live events. And, you know, you're not seeing – uh, DJ or Kepka or uh, Phil or Cam Smith win um, because they don't really give a shit. They just want to show up and play well in the majors. Um, and, you know, a few, a few live players did do that. Uh, Patrick Reed was kind of like a 
backdoor top five finish. I thought he would play well, actually. He had been doing okay on the on live tour. So not surprised to see him um, up there. And, you know, he had his four aces gear, uh, hat and shirt. So I'm sure that made, uh, made a lot of people happy, but um, you know, a good performance from them, but I don't think it's really going to help in terms of like, are people really going to run to watch live in the next event? Um, I think it kind of sucks for them. The next event is Australia. I think they might've gotten some more viewers if, um, it was in, in, uh, in the U S I think they're playing in, uh, Oklahoma the, the following week. I, I think they, if they had flipped the events and like the Oklahoma event was next, they might've gotten some more viewers, but I think playing in Australia overnight, it's just going to be buried on TV. Like I agree. The crowds will probably be pretty good, but no, no one's going to tune in because no one knows where to find it or, um, when to watch, but, <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, okay. From live in terms of guys performing, but I don't think they're really going to get a huge boost from this. Um, in terms of other players, I mean, you know, I guess we'll get to it with the surprises and disappointments, but just a completely just disgraceful performance from Rory McIlroy. Uh, and like I said before, his floor is so much lower compared to the other top players. Like, yeah, when he gets his A game going, he can compete with anybody, but uh, he just got it going in the wrong direction and he couldn't do anything. Um, and he played in the good weather conditions too, the, the better of the two ways. And he still shot like five over. Um, so that was just really disappointing. You know, you're still seeing, you know, you're seeing good performances from, uh, Victor Hovland and Cam Young, uh, wins are coming for those guys soon. So um, I think I'm going to keep on betting them uh, here uh, as we go forward. Same with Sahith Begala. He had like the tiger-like chip in on the 16th hole. Uh, we're going to be seeing some more of him. I think he's, he's going to win here at some point this year. Uh, he's getting very close. Um, and then I guess just one point on the weather. Um I think they, they planned it out well in terms of the Saturday. Obviously, the coverage was completely shit, but the, the tournament directors or, or schedulers, they did enough on Saturday in order to get in a full round, or I'm sorry, in order to get to the finish on Sunday on time. So I think that was the entire goal for the start of the day. Like, all right, we're going to play in this shit weather for like six holes, just enough so we know we can finish um you know, the, the, the full event on Sunday. Cause the last thing they wanted was a Monday finish. So they were, they were going to push through to get enough golf in on Saturday in order to accomplish that. And, you know, unfortunately it was pretty miserable out there for, for most of the players. And I, I kind of wish they had kept playing to see what would happen if they had to play 18 holes in that cold rain and wind. but that's how it goes. Um, they, they did just enough to, to finish and, and we got our, our uh, usual Sunday, we, we got, it was a full Sunday of golf. Like you get a, got up at 8.30 a.m., you watched the end of the third round and took a little break, made Easter with the family, and then you, you watched the, the the fourth round. Um, so, yeah, they, they, they planned it out well in terms of how they um, did the weather situation. Yeah, I was really pleasantly surprised that they were able to do, able to get it in on time, even started on time. I was like, because we've seen past Masters where – because of rain, they would start the final round coverage really early. They clearly couldn't do that this year because they still had to play pretty much the majority of the of the third round within the day and the fourth and the final round. So all things considered, they really managed really well around that weather. I know Mike has thoughts on this as well coming up. Um, thank you for mentioning Thagala. Thagala had a great day. I did love the 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 the. It looks so similar. That's that that chip on sixteen looks so similar to Tiger's chip on sixteen in two thousand five. The same roll. The only thing it was missing was like the hanging off the cup and then going in. Boy, what just a great shot! 
Um, he also had a really good shot in four, which I don't know if you guys saw, but during the bonus coverage, you know, on ESPN Plus, they they showed him just basically chip it right next to the hole. It was like, wow, that was great. And when you see how like everybody else was kind of struggling with that hole, uh, particularly Kepka and Rom uh, later in the day. Uh, it really shows you how good a shot that was. So, um, Andy, let's give it to you. Anything you want to add as far as the rest of the field? And then we'll do surprises and disappointments after. Yeah, like in regards to being able to finish on Sunday, yeah, that was that was fortunate. You know, the smaller field helps, you know, compared to a regular tour stop or even a regular major. The, the field's a little smaller. The fact they were able to get off, uh, the final round uh, in twosomes with, you know, with the help of split tees, that was definitely a factor. So, yeah, it was great that we could all, you know, get it all finished by Sunday because a Monday finish on a Masters would just would have just been absolutely, you know, painful, you know, from a first world problem standpoint. Um, yeah, Mickelson, Mickelson's performance was, was kind of wild. The, um, one of my classmates, I did a, I did a podcast last week with an old classmate of mine and another classmate of mine who was actually, uh, she won the big break in 2006. Wow. At, uh, Trump national. Yeah. She played on the LPGA and then the Symmetra tour before it's called the Symmetra tour. And she didn't win, but okay. she didn't win anything on the tour, but she was at, she was at the master's practice round with her husband, who's a pro in Orlando, a country club pro. And she was like, Phil looked like ass on the driving range. And even, you know, it's not like he was trending at all in any of the live events. Like he wasn't he piss poor. At least Kepka won the week before. But yeah, Mickelson, he, he's not doing much on the live events. Um, but I don't know. There's something to be said about that golf course. And we played enough times like these guys just can kind of meander them their way around. And, and Mickelson definitely did that, and then some on, on Sunday and Saturday, and to, to to get that you know second place finish. So good for him. I mean, he's very gaunt, very gaunt looking. Um, I don't know. I mean, the dude had like calves, and you got a hard body a couple of years ago. Then he, I mean, he had tits ten years ago. Now, now he looks like <laughs> now he looks like a skeleton. So you know, he, he goes through all different phases. But um, I know you want to talk about uh, surprises and disappointments. So, but I, I'll piggyback on John's comments on Rory. Yeah, just a just a disgraceful performance out of him. I I know this is the one tournament he needs to get the the Grand Slam and that 2011 Masters. I mean, I think it was an 80. It might have been 80. I don't know. It was a horrendous back nine. But, I mean, he's got ghosts. He has some ghosts. And it's crazy because he, when he's on, he 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 looks – he's got the most beautiful swing and tempo and rhythm, and he makes putts, and he's got the bounce in his step like Faldo used to always, you know, talk about. And, you know, for him to just kind of go out, absolute whimper – was was disappointing and what's there to say you know there's always next year i guess and after there's always next year but this is this is two majors you know the british open or the open like he he screwed that one up you know cam smith won but rory missed so many putts that day in st andrews last uh july 
And I know he won the tour championship, so that kind of gets glossed over. But, um, you know, he, he, you know, he, everyone wants him to win that, that Masters. And he just, just, it was just, it was very disappointing. I will say this about Hovland. So um, I bought a Hovland ticket at like 10 to 1 early Sunday morning. It was right before he went on that birdie tear. And, uh, you know, I was, he'll win a major at some point, but he, he had a double bogey. I think it was on the, either the fifth hole. I think it was five. I don't know. I don't have the scorecard in front of me, but it was early in the, in his final round. He had a terrible chip, bad, and he missed his bogey putt. And then he missed like a very short, uh, comebacker. And he just kind of never recovered from that. And uh, but I think this type of experience will 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 pay off in the long run. I think for him. I mean, he's won some big tournaments before. He'll, he'll be okay. He's just a baby. He'll be all right. Now, uh, the the thing that kind of bothered me about Phil winning and making that birdie putt on eighteen, uh, I assume John and Mike were in these types of pools where you pick like. You pick one player out of like the big dogs, which are like Rom, uh, Scheffler, and Rory. Then you pick two contenders. You pick one from like the old guys and the young amateurs, and then you pick like two journeymen. So you pick like eight total golfers, and then you take the four best golfers of each day. And then at the end of the four rounds, you know you, you know you win or you lose. I came in second place out of six hundred people, um, and the guy in first place who beat me by one stroke had Phil Mickelson. Oh. And uh yeah, and I had speed. So that was a big swing on 18. Wow. <laughs> so, but yeah, second price still was, you know, nothing to kind of sneeze at, but it would have been cool to be number 1 at the end of the end of the Masters tournament. Yeah, cuz I've never won any big pools like that before. But yeah, it was it was cool for Mickelson. Um you know, good for Fatty Reed. He's he's always going to grind out. You know, he he loves playing the heel, like as, as John mentioned, wearing you know, wearing the four aces head to toe. But um, you know, he's got he's got the green jacket, so he'll, he'll be there forever. Um, and yeah, I, I think that's about it in terms of live. It, I know you we'll talk about uh, disappointments and surprises. We we can get into that, but yeah, I mean, uh. What else? What else can you say? Oh, although Spieth, I don't think Spieth was a disappointment or a surprise. I'll say this about Spieth: it was an entertaining four days out of him. I mean, he had a terrible Saturday round. A lot of people had terrible third rounds because of the weather and stuff. But even on the days where he shot like, you know, sixty-nine, seventy, he just had, you know. But that's you get the whole package with Spieth, you know. He, he makes the 40-footer. He misses the two-footer. And he just had way too many bogeys uh, in between, like, a stretch of birdies to really kind of flirt with serious contention. He Everything on Sunday, as entertaining as uh, Spieth and Mickelson were, you know, playing together on that Sunday, it was, it was a little more of a, of a uh, sideshow, if that makes sense, because I don't think either were really in contention to, to threaten Rom or Kepka for that matter. And I think, yeah, Spieth just had too many, too many bogeys. You know, John could, and Mike could probably highlight a little better, but um, 
you know, that's that's what you get with Spieth. He just he's just too loose. But that's just that's what makes him fun to watch because uh, he can back up like a double with like an eagle, and it's just like Spieth, just a little more consistency, please. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you're right, though. That's been his entire career. Um, Mike, let's go back to you. It is now time for our surprises and disappointment segment. So uh, there are many in both categories. Uh, Mike, I'll, I'll let you start us off. Well, I'll, I'll just highlight three players here who I think uh, deserve a little bit of our time. Uh, first would be Fred Couples, who became the oldest player to ever make the cut at the Masters at 63 years and change. So I think he deserves a shout out and some recognition for doing that. For a guy that's back is basically made out of tissue paper at this point to be able to still hold it together and to be able to do uh, make the cut against guys 30, 40 years younger than him uh, at an age where you're washed up even on the senior tour is very impressive. So kudos to him. I noticed a, a couple of years ago that he sort of like set a, a new goal for himself. He was like, oh, you know, I, look, I, I would just like to be able to win one more event on the Champions Tour and, you know, see if I can still compete at the Masters. Well, he's done both of that uh, since he did that. He won a uh, Champions Tour event last year, makes the cut here, and uh, it's good. It, it means that we probably haven't seen the last of him. So well done. Um, both John and Andy have touched on Rory, and, yeah, there's not – much else to say this that was nothing short of a pathetic performance um you know the one thing about him that totally mystifies me is that as andy pointed out we know he has his ghost at augusta and that's one thing but what the hell happened and where did it happen where he just gets so tight at these majors he just he can't even the ones where he has good finishes except for the open last year he just starts off flat and doesn't perform to his ability level. And the one thing that I have trouble like trying to square about that is what major, what event along his career trajectory did this happen where he lost his confidence? Because it's not like there's an event other than the Open Championship last year and these struggles well precede that where like he had a big lead or he was in the driver's seat or he had, had a one stroke lead on the 18th hole and he choked or threw it away and did something that never happened. I mean, the closest thing to it is, I guess the 2018 masters, but uh, with Patrick Reed, where he didn't play well on the last day and was within striking distance, but he would have had to like shoot 66 or 67 that day to win. It wasn't like he had the lead. So it, it just, it's hard to figure out what exactly happened. Gun to my head. I just think he's a guy who thinks too much. You can pick up on it uh, just in his interviews, how he speaks, how he handles himself. He just, sometimes you just gotta, you know, almost take like the bubble Watson or Dustin Johnson approach. You're just trying to hit a ball somewhere, everything else out of your brain. Don't have another thought. So a very bad performance by him. Um, I'll be interested to see what he can do at uh, Oak Hill in Rochester. His wife is from Rochester originally. Maybe that'll get some good vibes or karma going, although he did meet his wife while he was still dating uh, Caroline Wozniacki, so maybe there'll be some bad karma that actually hits him there. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I'll be in attendance for that, so I'll give you guys a uh, report on the festivities next month, so Eat. that'll be fun. Um then one other person to talk about, we should talk about Tiger Woods because 
No, no, Dave. Listen, he, he's an old guy now, and he's mm-hmm. hobbling around, so he's not as much fun to poke fun at anymore. Because this is true. It, you, you can tell he's playing from a disadvantage, but I mean, a self-caused disadvantage. If he knew how to drive a car, he wouldn't. Be in oh my that situation. We don't need we don't need to get into that. We, we don't, you know? we don't. You're, you're right, you're right, you're right. You you right times two. We don't right. need to rehash that. Um <laughs> But uh, you know, I, I almost wonder what what's the end game here? Because this is now we're now like more than two years post this accident. We saw him come back last year and be able to make the cut at the Masters, be able to make the cut at the PGH championship and have to withdraw, play terribly at the British Open. Did a nice job to make the cut here, but then he could barely walk in the in the third round. So, if he's at the point where he really can't walk a golf course four days in a row, how much longer is he going to keep doing this? Because you figure there's been enough time now for him to strengthen his leg, strengthen the muscles around it, and but after seeing that. You know, he said he had plantar fasciitis. Well, listen, I'm not a doctor, but I would guess that he's getting plantar fasciitis because his gait is probably off because of the injury, and he has to compensate, and that leads to other problems with your feet, legs, joints, and whatnot. So I, I, I don't know how much, how often he's going to keep playing if this is the case. I don't know if he can. It doesn't seem like he the guy can walk 72 holes over four days anymore. It just it seems to beat him up too much. So. I don't know how much more we're going to see of him. Um, I think there was sort of an indication of, well, he came back and he played the Genesis. So, all right, made the cut there. Um, but then he, you know, he didn't come back and try to play the Arnold Palmer or anything like that to warm up. But uh, I, 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 I wonder if sooner rather than later, he just almost tanks this other than trying to play the masters once a year and just says, you know what? I'll see you on the champions tour in a couple of years where I can take a cart and do that a few times a year. Cause if he can't walk, it, it just really looks like he can't actually walk enough or, or do the walking in order to compete. So it, it's kind of sad to see. Um, also I speaking of, I will give credit to the golf channel on this. I'll give them credit. They did not lead up the coverage to this Masters endlessly talking about him and if he could win and this and that. They focused on other players, thankfully. That's that's good to see. That's more of a realistic view of where we are in the golf game. ESPN, on the other hand, after his round, they would cut to well, they would have like the Sports Center at the Masters segment, which was really just a hybrid. They were kind of still covering the Masters. But then when they would switch to Sports Center, oh, leading Tigers round. What are you guys doing? What is the end game here? And you know what? To show that that's a faulty strategy, the Masters just posted the highest rating for any golf tournament in the last five years, Tiger Woods was not playing. You don't need to lead with Tiger Woods at at, at every bit when he's not contending and he's nowhere near the lead. So maybe that's a a good lesson that comes out of this is that people are willing to watch golf when he's not part of this anymore. They've picked up on this new era of good players uh, and hopefully some of the Tiger fans who were only watching when he played have now been like, hey, you know what? These guys ain't too shabby themselves. So, um, yeah, as for surprise and disappointments, that's all I got for you, Dave. Uh, that sounds great, Mike. 
There is a follow-up to the ESPN angle I did want to touch on because our friend uh, Joey St. St. Louis uh, made, made the point yesterday in our, on, a, on, a, on the other streams we were doing. Um, and he brought up Mike Greenberg criticizing Fred Couples' outfit, and I'm like, I just trying to figure out what that was, so I read into it. I'm like, did you have any comment on that at all? Because that seemed like a kind of a sheer thing to be complaining about. <laughs> That Mike Greenberg is bringing up that of all things is probably why he was getting absolutely demolished by Boomer and Carton in the ratings for all those years. <laughs> I love that. Was it the sweatshirt? Yeah, the which, sweatshirt. Which it was cold. <laughs> I mean, I didn't know. I was like, wow, he's he looks like he's wearing like a sweatshirt, like one of those Davo Sweeney type sweatshirts. Right, right. You like everyone from like 1995 to wear okay i think that's a, that's a good place i I, lo- I appreciate your thoughts on that everybody uh so john let's go bring it to you for surprises and disappointments yeah i don't have much to add we kind of talked about a lot of this um within the other segments um i guess i'll give props to the amateur sam bennett uh really great performance i mean you knew he was going to kind of um fall off the pace but to even be in contention for what like 40-ish holes, um, pretty impressive. Uh, and he definitely has a future in the in the game. Um, I don't know when he's going to turn pro, but he, he definitely has some game, uh, without a doubt. Um, you know, we kind of touched on the surprises at the top of the leaderboard. I guess the only other guy that, like, if you had told me he'd finish in fourth place, I would have really laughed in your face is Russell Henley. Like, where did that come from? I mean, I guess anyone could have a hot, you know, third and fourth round. I mean, he's a good iron player, but – Definitely did not expect that from him. Uh, you know, six sixty-seven, seventy-one, seventy to finish. That was that was pretty surprising. Um, and then in terms of disappointments, um, I'll mention Jason Day just because he got to nine under on Friday afternoon, and I'm sitting here. You know, I've been betting Jason Day for like the last month because it's like, all right, the game is trending here. It's his time to break through again, and he's he's nine under um, going to the 14th hole on Friday. Misses a short birdie putt, and then on the 15th hole, he puts it in the the par five. He puts it in the water with his third shot, and then that was just the end of him. Um, he kind of hung in there for a little bit, but then just completely imploded on Sunday. He ends up finishing at plus five uh, for the tournament, which was just disastrous. It was like 14 over from that point. Um, Max Homa, kind of a disappointment, but again, we've talked about this with him before. He's really you know, he hasn't proven it in any majors yet. Um, you know, he can win in California and, you know, he can win a couple other events, but he has not really contended in any majors. We'll see if that changes when the U S open goes to California later this year. Um, and then I, of guys that missed the cut that were surprised, we already talked about Rory. And then I guess the only other guy was, would be Justin Thomas, but we kind of documented how he just kind of just really imploded, um, on, on when that weather on, on, uh, Saturday morning, the only other thing I'll, I'll add, maybe we'll get to this with the coverage. I understand CBS, what they're doing with miking up the players, like on the 14th hole or wherever it was. But Nick Faldo had a really great point. Like, why are you doing that in the middle of the Masters? Like, if your focus is just trying to do, like, one shot at a time and focusing on your on the task at hand, which is trying to win a major, like, you should not be agreeing to be miked up. And, my, and, and I agree with that. Like, oh, you want to do that at, like, the – 
John Deere Classic, like, fine, I'm all for access in the game. But, like, you as a player, I think that kind of takes your mind off the ball. And, like, Thomas is just trying to make the cut, and, like, they're in his ear, like, asking him about his iron shot. Like, I, I think it was just a bad idea for, for those guys to, to try to, uh, to try to do that or who, who accepted that invitation. But that's just my opinion. Um, you know, and he kind of fell victim to just some really poor play on that on that Saturday morning. And, you know, and he missed the cut, which I guess is – him and Rory were, like, really the only top players that missed uh, playing on the weekend. Pretty good summary, John. Thank you so much for, for sharing that with us. I think we go to Andy. Anything you want to add as far as surprises and disappointments, or did we get into that already? I can't even remember at this point. No, I'll just, I'll just fucking rattle real quick. Yeah, um, neither a surprise or a disappointment, but uh, just a karma. You know, people think karma doesn't exist, but uh, DeChambeau, ever since he said Augusta's a par 67, well... <laughs> He, he, he must have shot uh, a 14 over then because he, he, it's a couple of 74s. So maybe Augusta isn't a par 67. Maybe you want to have some more respect for that golf course, Bryson. So good for him. Uh, I guess a, a, a surprise and a disappointment would be that, um, and this is because of how steady John Rahm was, this is because he didn't get – in any trouble on the 12th hole when he could have, because we've seen a lot of people make a mess out of 12, but a surprise and a disappointment was that, um, amen corner, the back nine on Sunday at Augusta did not really provide a ton of ups and downs and drama and swings and twists and turns like it can, even in a two man race, the back nine can provide twists and turns. I mean, we saw it with Justin Rose and Sergio a few years ago, and then we've obviously seen it in a year like 2011 when there's like 10 guys that are taking turns with the lead. You know, just watch the 2011 Masters if you've got nothing to do one of these days for giggles, or even the um, the 2016 one when – Spieth was melting down and Westwood and Willette were taking turns with the lead. So that was a little bit of a um, both surprise and disappointment because, you know, he, typically that, that back nine and the amen corner and 15 and 16 can offer all sorts of surprises. But there really wasn't a lot. There really wasn't a lot. Um, but that's, you know, that's a sporting event. You're not guaranteed. You're not owed any of that. You just you're just grateful for being able to watch it and you see what happens and you take what you can get. I hear it, Andy, I do. So basically I guess there weren't as many surprises and disappointments as I as I anticipated, but and that Oh, last thing about Sam Bennett. Okay. And I know uh I know Mike pays attention to it. I don't know if John watches the amateur as religiously as, as Mike does, but I remember Mike tweeting about it and um, Bennett's going to have to speed up his play. If there's one unintended observation from watching like the amateur year in and year out, whether it's at Bandon or last year when it was, I think in New Jersey, like some of these amateurs, they, they take a long time. Like the whole pace of play in the younger generation is it's a thing. And, uh, am, uh, I guess he's got a little bit of anxiety issue. So that's why he like takes a little bit, but. That was a little tough to watch. As as impressive as his play was, I was like, dude, you got to get on with it. Fair point, Sandy. Definitely. 
Um, so now let's address the elephant in the room of television and media coverage. And this is going to be the first time I've said this since we've been covering the Masters. And we've been covering the Masters for about a dozen years at this point. Um, I'm maybe a little less than a dozen, maybe like maybe 11 years. But um, this definitely would be the first time I've said I, I've, I was disappointed in the coverage in general, basically. Um, the scenario with the, the second and third rounds. I mean, that was strange to have only about a 15-minute broadcast for all intents and purposes, but they did make a point that they were going to try to replay actual coverage from earlier in the day so that they could fill that four-hour time slot. So maybe that's not the worst thing in the world, but why didn't you just air it then? Why didn't you just air it when it was happening earlier in the day? I don't know, but there was that. Um, and then the fluff that you tend to see, I mean, I was talking with our friends like Coach and, and Jacob Rosales Hunt uh, about it in text, and we are like... Yeah, some of those pop and circumstance stuff is kind of getting old. Like the the annual the you know the annual tee shot and all that. It's kind of like you know we could just be watching golf instead of like getting to all this stuff all over and over and over. So that's kind of like where I was with it. I mean, I don't know. I just didn't feel like I feel like we were kind of missing some of the some of the great some of the great analysis we used to get. Some people have left. Faldo's left most recently. Um, you know, we used to have. I think we used to have David Faraday on the coverage, right? At one point in time, we did. But um, let me go to Mike first on the TV coverage. I mean, you have better perspective on this than I would. But what did you think of the of the media coverage of the event? Well, let's just address some things that Tommy is concerned about because he brought up a number of things uh, to me and to other people uh, during the tournament that I think we need to address head on. I, I do not have uh, I have a problem with what happened this week on Saturday that that should not have happened. And I'll get more into that in a little bit. But in terms of how the Masters is broadcast right now with the limited television windows on both Thursday and Friday, I'm fine with. And I'll tell you why, because realistically, when you think about what the advantage is to having uh, the traditional broadcast on television, where they have, you know, one feed and they're jumping around to players is that allows you on the weekend to take the guys who are in contention and jump around to their shots so that you're able to follow the action in terms of who is in the lead, how things are shaping up and how the event is ultimately going to unfold. And that's most critically on the weekend on Thursday and Friday. What the Masters gives you is two featured groups and eight holes of coverage on different feeds that you can watch from. And you have the ability to go on their app, on your phone. Eh, background's knocking out my phone, but whatever. I was holding a phone there. And you can just click on a player and it will show you every single shot they're hitting like 30 seconds after the shot is hit. You can more closely, I feel, follow the tournament, even if you were not allowed to watch any of the television coverage on Thursday and Friday, then you can at a regular PGA Tour event. So that's why I'm okay with the limited television window. What they're giving you between the Amen Corner feed, the 15 and 16 feed, the 4, 5, and 6 feed, the featured groups, the shots for every player being up with uh, within 30 seconds – when you're not in a position yet where the tournament is coming down to, okay, we have the leaders and who's going to win, 
you can you can follow more of it with what they're offering uh, to you than you could just watching a traditional broadcast. And with where we are today with technology, with everyone having smart TVs, and even if you don't, you can take an HDMI cable and plug your laptop into your TV and watch. To me, it's very easy to do. Now, I, I do get that there is this thing of active versus passive watching, and some people prefer passive watching, which is what television is. You just you don't have to like scroll through things and choose to watch something. You click the channel, it's there. I get that, but if you want to watch the tournament, to me, you you can do so better even if there was no television coverage on Thursday and Friday. So that's why I don't have a gripe with it. It, I was sitting on a train coming back from work with my headphones in, watching on my phone, watch actually watching the television feed. They gave you the television feed on the Masters app for free over the week, and I think throughout the whole uh, the whole tournament. So who else has given you that? But on the uh, the flip side, what happened on Saturday was an absolute joke. Now, here was the problem. I understand that they weren't going to move up the television window, but you cannot under any circumstances when you have a situation where two guys have separated themselves from the field by multiple shots not include them as a featured group on the coverage. That can't happen. That You're having critical events that affect the outcome of the tournament at that point happening, and they're not being, they're not televised. They're not, or not televised. They're not available to view in live real time. That can't happen. I don't know who made the decision to say, Kepka and Rom are not going to be a featured group. Tiger Woods is going to be a featured group. Whoever made that decision should be fired. Uh, that was – what was the point of that? So that, what, people would watch – how many people do you think watch the CBS feed at 3 o'clock on tape delay who wouldn't have watched it if they were able to see those shots live on featured group coverage? That's the only thing I can think of that possibly caused that to happen. So I, I, I just I, I'm baffled at this for years. You know, there were criticisms of the Masters, you know, Hootie Johnson with the grandstanding about women, honestly, screwing up the course a bit by throwing in eight million trees. Um, but once Billy Payne came in and now Fred Ridley has come in, they've done so many good things and the launching of the app. And you know what? I, I heard a great thing about the app. Someone said the Masters app is the best app in the world. And they were like, why is that? It's basically only used once a week. How How is that possible? And someone replied on Twitter saying, well, if you think about it, in every single app, in reality, the advertisers are the people that the app is targeted for. And the consumers are really, you know, the product. Hey, we get X number of consumers. Pay us this. The Masters app, on the other hand, is, look, they, they make a ton of money off their broadcast window, off merchandising and whatnot, but they don't try to actually maximize the amount of money they can make off the tournament. They're like, you know what, we're good with X, and once we get X, we're going to, from X, try to give you the best experience we possibly can. And that's why the Masters app is so good, because they're not trying to make all the money they can off of it. They're trying to give you the best experience you can have. So I, I, I'm just, 
from what the philosophy of the Masters tournament seems to be now, just trying to open it up, make sure that the app is the best thing possible, I'm just baffled as to what went wrong here. How you could have such a a, a critical thing at that uh, point of time in the tournament not be available to view live, to me, it's just... It's baffling. I don't get what happened there. And it, it really, it, it, people were angry and people were rightfully angry. They screwed up here. And I'm really not sure what went into the decision. It's baffling. It's dumb. And uh, I, I wonder if it will happen again, because I do think that one of the things that pushed along all this coverage they have now and the ability to view things very quickly live was when Spieth in 2015, he was not in their coverage window on Friday, and he basically had booked the tournament by the time the uh, coverage came on that Friday afternoon. And I think that changed things. Maybe the backlash here changes things. We can only hope. Yeah, that's that's an egregious error. It's incredible to think that that could that could even happen, especially in light of what you were talking about with Spieth. Like, you just think you know, do something to get them featured somehow, somewhere. Some you know, just does it makes no sense. Um, uh, Mike, I mean, John, let's go to you and get your thoughts on the coverage as well. Yeah, I can't add any, anything more than that. I mean, Mike did a great job there about the problem with what happened on Saturday. Um, I mean, I don't know if CBS, you know how with the regular tour events, you know, if, if there's a, a mix up with the schedule because of weather or, or whatnot. So I was like, all right, let's send the coverage to golf channel for the next two hours. Like, I don't know if CBS could make some kind of, or the masters could make some kind of arrangement with golf channel or another uh, station that is in that CBS family. I think Viacom still owns CBS. I don't know. I think that was the last, the last time I remember who owns CBS, but regardless, another network in the family of networks or like even on their streaming thing, Paramount plus or something like, all right, down like the NBC is doing with Peacock, like download the, or go on there to watch this coverage, uh, bonus coverage of the, of the leaders. I think they could have done, there could be something done to make sure you don't miss those, that two hours. Like there was two hours of play, um, from the leaders. They teed off at one o'clock and, they didn't come on until three and then 10 minutes later, the, the coverage was done for the day, which was just complete horseshit uh, as, as has been do- documented. So yeah, that was just really bad. And if they had put the, those guys as the featured group, like, yeah, it would, it would have been not great, but it's palatable. At least you could see, you could have seen the action live. Um, so yeah, that was their one um, huge, huge mistake of the week. And, you know, like, you know, you can't, you can't move up the coverage because you'd be moving around you know, the schedule all weekend, um, you know, for two hours. I know they did it on Sunday morning, but like they saw like the whole round of play. Um, but for two hours, you're not going to do that. So maybe they'll look into getting like another outlet, like I just mentioned for, for this kind of scenario, or just put the leaders in the, as the featured group. I mean, what's the harm in doing that? But um, I guess the other thing, the big kind of uh, new thing this week was, um, no Nick Faldo in the booth, and we had Trevor Immelman as his, in his first Masters. And I guess what I could say about Immelman is I don't think he's bad. I, I don't think he's great either. He's just kind of – he has some good analysis. I mean, he was a former player. He won the Masters. So I think you have to respect what he says. Like, he was, you know, trying to have some, like, funny banter with Nance and the rest of the crew. I mean, he's learning like the rest of them and kind of the the lead chair. So I don't think he's – I mean, he's a thousand times better than Azinger. I mean, that's not saying much. Um, he's definitely better than him, but I don't think he's quite as good as as 
Baldo was, but maybe he'll get there. So I don't think it was a bad performance uh, from him, but it, like he, he let the golf, like he wasn't the story basically. Like he didn't say anything that made you go like, man, what the fuck is this guy talking about? Like, that's a really stupid comment. Like when you, when you hear from Azinger, like a hundred times in, in the tournament. So that, that's what I would say about, um, about uh, Immelman um, and the rest of the crew. Like, they kind of, they are what they are. I noticed though, that you know, uh, they used to have Dottie Pepper calling some of the holes, uh, like from the tower, but she's now gracing us with her analysis on the course at the Masters. So that was kind of a new thing. I don't know how many she might have been on the course in previous years, but um, to me anyway, it was new for her to be on the grounds. And because they moved Immelman into the the uh, um, the main chair, they kind of lost like one one of the spots on the holes. So I think like Napolo is doing two holes. And then you had um, Andrew Catalan uh, doing two of the holes. And then Vern Lundquist. I mean, um, God bless him. I, I think he was more with it this year compared to previous years. So I was going to say the same was, thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. That was good to that was good to see, honestly, because he, he had really kind of been losing it in previous years. He was definitely he was definitely more with it this year, which I was happy about. Uh, so so good good for Vern. Um and then, yeah, I guess the last thing I'll say, just kind of an interesting nugget. You guys mentioned, like, the the opening ceremony with the pomp and circumstance and everything. <laughs> you know, that's, that's kind of like the, the – the, I don't know. It's like the – you know, the, the, I don't want to say the beauty of the Masters, but it's just like no other tournament is going to bring out, like, three old guys to hit a tee shot and be like, all right, let's 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 play golf now. Um, but the funny thing, though, is I saw, like, an amazing tweet, and I had to look it up myself to verify it. So Jack Nicholas played his first Masters in 1959 as an amateur. In that tournament, he played with a guy named Fred McLeod, who was born in 1882, and he was playing in the Masters at 67, 77 years old. Like that's just unfathomable to me. Like he was literally playing with a guy that was like born basically not too long after the Civil War uh, ended. It's just crazy. And that that guy was actually the starter. And he played in Masters up until like age 80. So just an incredible thing. Like once you start going down the rabbit hole, like, you know, I was going down the leaderboard of like the 1953, 1959 Masters and just like seeing, all right, like who's alive basically. And, you know, sadly, <laughs> there, there wasn't too many. It was basically yeah. just like Nicholas and uh, Gary Player, uh, Jackie Burke. And I think like one other guy, the rest of them sadly have passed away. But um, I just, when I saw that, it just, it just brought me down a rabbit hole, which I thought was pretty pretty interesting to, to kind of see the, the golf history of, of certain things. There's no doubt about it. Um, John, that was, that's a, that's really great. That's a really great, a trip down memory lane. I do want to say hi to monster Murky. Welcome in to our chat. Good to see you again. Um, I do want to also note that I'm going to be guest hosting, um, a show on Mon's channel coming up, um, next week. We'll tell you more about that a little later on, but let's go back to Andy and let's get your thoughts on the coverage. Uh, anything you want to add, Andy? Yeah, the, well, just you should splice up uh, Mike's breakdown on the app and the coverage for 2024 when Tommy asks and brings up again, like his gripes with the coverage, and then just play exactly what Mike just said about 10 minutes ago because it's just going to hold up. It's going to hold up for the end of time. Like you know, if you if you if you want to watch Fred Couples. And Sandy Lyle and like Adrian Moronk, whatever his name is, and like Francesco Molinari, you know, besides, uh, you know, Moronk's relatives, like you can just curate your own 
curate your own like watch list of players like that's that's pretty cool um and yeah the saturday fiasco was well documented i wonder if how awful they screwed that up on saturday led to them actually being able to broadcast that early window on sunday morning because i was actually surprised that they were actually like CBS was on the air at 5:30 or 5 a.m. out here for the conclusion of round three, and then Nance was like, "All right, like we'll see you in a couple hours. Like watch my special with Tom Weisskopf or whatever, or whoever." People <laughs> <that, that>, <laughs> yeah, remembering the master with Jim Nance <laughs> after round four, and but yeah, you know, if you're watching the golf, you had you had your desktop and laptop all fired up for the for the featured groups and holes four, five, six and all that stuff. So I, I think the coverage was, was pretty good. I I'm glad all of us were on the same page with Vern Lundquist. He definitely was uh, a little more sharp this year. So that's, that's a welcome surprise. Uh, that was a surprise. Yeah. That was a surprise. Just pilot. Yeah. That was a surprise, a pleasant surprise. Vern, Vern was with it. Um, yeah, you know, to to John's point about Immelman, yeah, I don't I don't think he like added a ton to the broadcast. He didn't take away from the broadcast. I think he'll he'll get better. Um, yeah, he just he was just kind of there. He was a, a complimentary um, complimentary addition to the broadcast. He, he didn't really do much for me in in either direction. Um, but big picture wise, one of my pet peeves and these guys know because they they watch the golf every weekend and it's just real uh, it's a first world frustration when you're you've committed like two hours to watching saturday or sunday golf channel coverage let's say it's the la open or something and that transition from golf channel to cbs or golf channel to nbc it's literally like a 20 minute window where you miss every, you miss that 20 minute stretch of real golf. And then Nance ha- or Dan Hicks has to like set it up and you alienate the original audience that had watched the golf channel, you know, from, for the previous two, three hours. And it's like, we've already seen this. We've already seen this. We just saw this actually. And that, that's just kind of annoying. Obviously that it doesn't matter. That's not a factor with the masters per se. But one thing I did notice on, on Sunday, especially is like, if you were watching like either the featured group, uh, like the Scheffler featured group, or you're watching holes four five and six, some of the live shots uh, you'd see on, on the alternate feeds on the master's app or the master's website. And then it would be like a good, like five minutes where like Catalan or uh, Ian Baker Finch would show the shot on the CBS broadcast. And, you know, that's, I'm just quibbling just to quibble, but I mean, that's going to happen, you know, because CBS, you only show one shot at a time and Nance, and the producers are trying to orchestrate all that because there's so much stuff going on the golf course, obviously. But you know, there were more, there were a lot more pros than than cons this year. If we're going to be completely uh, objective about it, but that's the Saturday. Saturday was a huge miss. Saturday was a was a huge miss. I saw Mike's tweet about like we're not going to see the leaders until like the fourth hole. 
And I think like the pace of play was so bad. It might not have even been like, like the fifth hole, but <laughs> all that to say, yeah, um, they'll have to refurbish like that for, for future reference. Well, I, I really appreciate all your thoughts on, on the coverage. There definitely were, was a lot to unpack. So it's great to hear your all's perspectives on it. Um, and that's pretty much it for the Masters. I don't, don't think there's any there are any other angles for me to really get into. But Mike, I mean, if you want to quickly uh, share what's the, what's coming up, as you mentioned earlier, um, your one of your favorite courses, RBC Heritage, coming up at in um, coming up in South Carolina. So uh, tell us a little bit about what's coming up in the in the near future. Yeah, so an interesting wrinkle is that the uh, RBC Heritage this year, at least, is a designated event, which I, I understand it's in within driving distance of Augusta National, but they maybe should have thought about moving um, moving New Orleans event to this week and maybe moving the Heritage back another week because you got like Jordan Spieth saying, I'm dead tired. Rory just withdrew. I, I don't think you're going to get much at all from Rom this week. He might be massively hungover in every round he plays. But uh, listen, on the flip side, we're going to see the top players in the world at a course that is very different from most of the courses you'll see on the PGA Tour in that it really has a way of neutralizing power. You got to pay, play a lot of different shots, uh, under limbs, over limbs, left, right, curve them what way or whatever. And um yeah, it can uh could result in an interesting winner, someone who is uh <clears throat> maybe not one of the top players in the world, even though they'll all be here. Well, I top players in the world are all here. Davis Love is also here too, which uh isn't Furick in the mix again? <laughs> I, I believe so too. It's something For where Ernie Ellis is in the field too. I had oh no idea God. how he got into the field or why, but he is playing. It, it's because this year they have something with the designated events where all the top players can get in if they want, but they still have this like uh, criteria that would exist as if it were still a normal tournament. So like Davis Love is in because he won this event five times. I'm sure Ernie Els won it. Furek definitely won it. Um, so that's why. But I, I don't know why they don't just cap it at however many people and say, yeah, sorry, guys, you want to play a Champions Tour event? Go ahead. When it's not a designated event, Sure enough, come back here. But uh, yeah, it's a really good course, top 100 in the U.S., and the finish is great, 16, uh, 17, and 18 along the water. So uh, you get some pretty sights, uh, some views of alligators meandering about, and uh, much more big names than you will uh, than you would normally see here. And also, to just make this all about me for a second, I am going to Hilton Head in two months, and I... I'm doing it. I am going to play Harbor Town. I've never actually played it before. They want 335 for it, but you know what? You only live once. And honestly, that that is not that crazy no, for no. us. It's been on the PGA Tour for 50 years. I'll bite the bullet and uh, have a few simple meals of uh, rice and like some chopped meat for a while. Tonight. <laughs> uh, I am going to play this course. I'm sure my score will not be very well, but it will not be very good. But uh, eh, it'll, it'll, it'll be a good time. 
I think it's a great call, Mike. You know, and that's only half the price of what it would cost. It maybe even less, even less than half the price of than it would cost to do uh, Pebble Beach. So I think it's a great. That's a great. It's not well, Dave. Pebble Beach is like seven fifty, but it's not really seven fifty. It's like seven fifty, and you got to stay at the lodge for like two nights or something oh like gosh. that. So that's going to cost you a couple grand. Wow. If you want to play there. So. Interesting. Yeah. All right. So uh, have a great round once you get to there. That sounds that sounds great. Um, let's go to John. I mean, now we can just kind of talk about whatever. So, John, anything else you want to bring up as far as golf or anything else? Uh, I'll talk a little bit about the schedule. But before I do that, Mike, did you make any bets this week for any outright winners? Because I, I made a couple. I have not yet, uh, John. I still actually got to set my lineup for your pool, and oh, when okay. I do that, I will give it a thought, and I'll throw in eh, one or two before uh, the action starts tomorrow morning. Yeah, I absolutely got to get a couple in there. But um, I I bet uh, Cam Young. I think, like I said, I think is it's trending um, for him to have a win. I think he should have won the match play a few weeks ago. I was really disappointed he lost to Sam Burns in that in that final match. Um, and then getting Webb Simpson's caddy, uh, Paul Tesori, has been a huge addition to his, to his game. Um, and if you know, if you remember, um, Webb Simpson, like, dominated this course. So he can only give uh, Young some good knowledge here um, to ha- how to play this. And his approach game is just fantastic. So he can club down off the tee, stick it on his approach, and his putting's been on fire. So I bet Cam Young, and I also bet, um, stupidly, I bet Xander Shoffley. I just thought his odds of like 28 to 1 were too high. So those are the two bets I made for this week. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, but, yeah, great tournament. I do agree that I think they should have reshuffled the schedule um, to maybe give these guys a little bit of a rest after the Masters if you're going to make this a designated event. Now, clearly, they weren't going to make New Orleans a designated event with the, with the team scenario. They weren't going to make Mexico a designated event, and those are the next two weeks after this. So no one's going to play uh, Mexico. Um, the team event might have a little juice because the guys kind of like you know pairing up with each other, but whatever. They weren't going to make either of those um, the the designated events. And I believe the first week in May is Wells Fargo, and I think that's also a designated event. So that would have been a, a good, you know, if they had, had like done New Orleans this week and then put uh, RBC and then you have another week off and then you have the next designated event. I think that would have been a nice um, kind of like uh, schedule, but who knows? It's all going to be blown up next year anyway. So maybe the RBC heritage will be in a different spot or um, they might not even be designated next year. I think they're going to move, they're going to move it around. So, um, you know, better enjoy it this year. That's why like next month uh, or sorry, in two months, the travelers that the tournament right near my, uh, my house is a designated event this year. So you better believe I got like the club seats on the 18th hole so I can, you know, enjoy like the, the best golfers in the world come through uh, on Friday afternoon and, and get my money's worth for, for that tournament. But um, yeah, uh, two designated events in the next month before the next major. So it's going to be going to be interesting, like, like always. And um, I would tend to agree. I don't think you're going to see like the guys who really contended in the masters to, to be up there and, and just the course, itself lends it to be kind of a maybe an oddball winner so we'll see it should be it's always a great if i remember anything from this tournament the past like four or five years it's always a great finish on sunday so um it shouldn't be any different this week 
Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. And the visuals, as Mike was talking about, were absolutely fantastic. So pretty good, pretty good stuff all around. I, um, welcoming, let's welcome Stuart Hayek into the chat. It's good to see you. Stuart Hayek is very dialed into the NHL playoffs, which have yet to start, which I am mystified by. We talked about that earlier, Mike, but... Why? New York Islanders clinched earlier tonight, Dave. Oh, so they did. Okay. All the, playoff, all the playoff teams are set. We still got some seeding stuff to figure <laughs> okay. out. Uh, we still have to figure out if there's going to be a big Devils Rangers game that will be decided, or Devils Rangers series that'll okay. be decided tomorrow. But uh, yeah, all the teams are now set. That's good to see. Yeah, I mean, again, I I feel like the you know. That, that's it's cool to see everything set though that's that's great so now i don't know what you're gonna do with the last next like two games i think there's one more full slate on uh thursday right that's like the last full like you know 14 whatever game schedule and then there's like two games the next day and then that's it that's the season so we'll see how it goes mike how much time would you have to stay on with us if you want to you want to get into any hockey after this the golf stuff I not not tonight, Dave. I have not uh, prepped to talk about a- any more than like Devils Rangers. I could give you, but a- okay. anything else, I'd be scrambling and uh, spinning oh. my wheels. So. Oh no worries, no worries, no worries. Full disclosure, no worries, my friend. Um, well, I'm I'm excited for him for sure. So um, let's give it to Andy. Which anything else on your mind as far as golf or anything else? What Mike doesn't have the. The trials and tribulations of the Colorado Avalanche. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think they're they're peaking at the right time. Oh yeah, definitely. Are. But uh, I know they anyway. They they've had some injuries back and forth. But um, well, I'll say this about the um, the tournaments and uh, the the schedule changes that that John alluded to, and one little complaint that I have. Um, and I think, I don't know, people might agree, they might not. But so next year, the uh, the Houston Open, which should never have moved the venue to the course that was near the airport, but they had to do that. They lost a sponsor. But the, the Houston Open is moving back to the spring in 2024. It's going to take the, the slot of the now retired match play event in Austin. So it will be two weeks before Augusta. So it'll still be a Texas swing. It'll be Houston, San Antonio before Augusta. And, um, you know, I think the purse will be increased. So Houstonians are excited that they're getting their, you know, a time slot that was more in line of what it traditionally was all those years ago. The second thing I would say um, well, the same thing I'd say is, yeah, I'm, I'm tailing John's pick. I might do top 10. I, I don't know if I have the balls to do young to win it all, but maybe top 10. You maybe get like, I'm guessing that's like minus 110 to win 100 or whatever it is. Um, but I'll take a look. I, um, I kind of wish and I kind of hope that they move the PGA tournament back to like the – late summer i don't i don't know i just feel like the the t you know the the sawgrass event in march it's I, I just feel like it gets buried in march i know it's always it's been in march and then they moved it mother's day weekend but they moved it back to march but you know last year you had all those weather delays and, and the monday finish and i feel like it gets buried in the midst of conference tournament weekend with all the college basketball and you're not really paying attention to 
you know, what's going on in Sawgrass. And then the way the majors are, it's just so compact. Like next month, Mike's going to be up in Rochester. Could be bad. You know, I don't know what the weather's going to be like in Rochester in, in May. And then you have L.A. in June. And then in July, the major season's all over. Um, and, and obviously, it's exciting. I just feel like it's too truncated, too too fast. And I know they don't want to have the FedEx tournaments interfere with NFL season, but I don't know. I just feel like the major season is just it's too fast. And I know they want to have a big event in March, April, May, June, July, but I don't know. I feel like the you know the players' championship in March just doesn't get any sort of juice like it would had it been in mother's day weekend and i know in mother's day weekend they're competing with nhl and nba playoffs but i don't know i just feel like that's more of a natural rhythm for for golf and golf weather but maybe i'm on mars with that take but i don't know well i mean i think i think what i'm feeling with the pga is that the luster of it being in a different month has worn off for me too, because as you mentioned, trying to find time for it when you know you've got like a great NHL game coming up at the same time. And at that point, it's like you're, you're not even in the first round anymore. You're in the second round or the third round. So it's like, yeah, how do you find time to watch this? Like you, you, you've got these great battles and here, and I realize that PJ's during the day and everything, but you know, it's, it's just kind of tough to, to find time to watch things like that. So I see your points on that for sure, Andy. Um, but it is what it is. Like you said, you know, if you put it back in August, then you worry about the playoff scenario and how that's, I mean, the golf playoff scenario and how that's going to be affected. So I don't know. Like I, but I, I certainly vibe with your opinion. Um, okay. Let's, let's just go to final thoughts. Uh, Mike, we'll go, we'll start with you. And if you want to comment on that too, feel free. Yeah, I share uh, much of the same sentiment as Andy there. Um, I think it was last year that I said, you know what, what I don't think would ever actually happen, but what I thought could be a novel solution is some years you play it in May and some years you play it in August. Like, for instance, this year, I think makes a lot more sense to play it in Rochester, New York, where you could have some cool mornings and apparently the spring up there is somewhat notoriously rainy it would probably make more sense to play an event in Rochester, New York in August. And last year, Southern Hills, Tulsa, Oklahoma, you would not want to be playing that in August. And I think that would just give the PGA a certain amount of flexibility to really maximize the amount of great courses they can go to and sort of up their profile. Like they can't ever go to whistling straights again. They're, you can't have that course ready to go in May. In fact, when Whistling Straits was built, the U.S. Open uh, was wanted to have an event there. And Pete Dye flat out went to the USGA and said, listen, you guys are it's you guys are not going to be able to control the conditions there in June the way you, you're going to need to be able to. So maybe hold off a little bit. So I don't know. They wouldn't do that, but I, I think that would work. But it, it, it's a very valid point. What the hell is going on in late August? You're waiting for college football to start. You're waiting for the NFL to start. The baseball picture has started to play itself out. Uh, you're, you're getting an idea of who's in it and who's not. In May, you know, like you, like Andy said, NHL playoffs, NBA playoffs. It's 
enough baseball has happened that members of the fan base are panicking and screaming clean house. <laughs> so there's a lot going on so, and golf has to compete with that. So yeah, it's a valid point. <laughs> and you, it's like, that's the other tradition. And like somebody else wrote that that's the other tradition. Like any other fan base panicking after a month. <laughs> it's great. John, I'll give it to you for final thoughts. Yeah. I mean, I'll, Take it or leave it either way. Like I'm fine with the schedule as is. If they want to adjust it to August, um, I, I like the hybrid approach. Definitely. I I don't think the PGA is smart enough to do that, but I think they should consider it. Um, you know, just for nostalgic purposes, like growing up, it's just like oh, it's like you know, you're going on summer vacation in August, and like the PGA Championship is is there. It's just like I don't know, it's one of those things. I kind of kind of wish for that back again, but. but um, you know, I can't go wrong with, with either. I do like the idea of like a big tournament in every month. Um, even if the FedEx cup, you don't consider it a quote big tournament. I mean, you're still getting the top players in the world are uh, the top players from the year, um, together for, for a couple of weeks stretch. So, um, we'll see. I mean, the PGA is definitely obviously open to change. I mean, they're like blowing up everything, um, with this new designated event situation. So we'll, we'll see how it, how it plays out in the next in the next year or so it'll be it'll be interesting to track um and yeah how about my yukon huskies though just had to get that plug in i love it for you know some college basketball uh championship yeah it was definitely an exciting exciting times i had to uh run across state lines to make a few bets um so definitely we cashed in on that uh, over the last weekend so just to expound on that like where did you get them at? Did you get them live to win the championship at some point around the week 16? Because you would have had some good. I think you would have had some decent odds on it. No, unfortunately, I only got to bet um, the final four games. But okay. what happened was I went to the casino in Springfield, Mass, and they had a promotion where um, if you were there that day, all you had to do was sign up for the uh, Bet MGM app in Massachusetts, and I got eight fifty dollars free bets. And I did them on all Masters um, outrights, um, and of course, like it's not—I wouldn't have bet the top three with my own money, but hey, it's free money. Like I'm going to bet the favorites, so I ended up taking one on John Rahm. So I made—I um, made a little money on him on him winning. So we will definitely take that uh, take that hit. So that was it was definitely worth it. But yeah, I only I only bet the final four um, the final four games when I was when I was there, um, and then I had them like in a in a pool. Um, not the one that I do, of course, a different pool. Um, I, I want a little bit of money for them winning it all. So it was it was still profitable. And obviously, seeing your team win their fifth championship, I mean, that's that's the priceless thing of of it all. So it was yeah. definitely, definitely uh, good times for sure. Oh, absolutely. What a great win for, for UConn, though. Big props to their team. Just a good, solid, good, good team. And that was it was really, really an impressive, impressive tournament run for them. Absolutely. Great for the biggies, too. Um, Andy, let's give it to you for final thoughts. So, so John, you got to go back to Springfield to cash in that ticket at some point, yeah? Uh, no, actually, so those three bets were on the app. So I can withdraw that money at any time. Um, you don't have to be in the state to withdraw, so I can do that. But I think I might leave some in because um, I'm going to be doing a, a couple days with the family up at my usual – or they usually go to, like, Salisbury, Hampton, and um, I can bet on the app there. So I might leave – a few dollars in for when I do that. But the tickets that I, I bet that day, I have to go back and cash at some point. So. Gotcha. Yeah. Nice, yep. nice job there. I'm just, I can't believe Washington, Washington has such archaic rules with the legalized gambling, but that's not neither here nor there. Uh, final thoughts. Yeah. I mean, 
Mike's idea makes so much sense, like with the hybrid model. Um, uh, yeah, the PGA probably wouldn't do it. Yeah, it may, like it opens up your portfolio for different courses. I just make it happen, make it happen, Mike. Send some letters, write write letters. That'd be cool. But uh, no, this is a great time of year. Um, I don't know who's going to win the Stanley Cup playoffs or the NBA playoffs, but when it's all over, it'll be summertime. So I'm I'm getting into these these play. You know. It's not like Miami or Chicago is gonna beat, you know, Milwaukee, but or or the Pelicans or the Thunder are gonna, you know, beat Denver, or whoever. But it's it's fun. It's extra games to watch and gamble on. It's uh, you know, baseball season is just barely started. Every every team's got like you know eleven to thirteen games under their belt. Uh, it's still, uh, I know it's been it's nice weather out in the Northeast, so that's good for you guys out there. Uh, it's a little cold today, but. Yeah, we're we're getting closer to getting closer to to summer and and uh, yeah, we're in the guts of golf season. So enjoy it, enjoy these elevated events, enjoy the gambling. Best of luck, good luck, uh, Mike. When you go out there in a couple months, hit 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 some nice shots out there for us. Absolutely, and uh, you know, and uh, here's a quick question before we before I say good night, uh, Andy. Um, do you see more juice in the play-in games than you do with the first round? Because I do. I think these play-in games have been fun. I mean, just for the sheer, um, just because of the margins of the teams, the separation of the teams competing are probably a little closer than like the two-seven and the and the one-eight games. Um, now I'm, I'm in and out of the clouds with the NBA regular season, and, and Dave, you you probably can agree um you probably follow it out of the most out of everyone on this on this program right now the the biggest issue with betting on nba is uh like these star players are like game time decisions like and you gotta fall you gotta like look all day long next thing you know it's like oh like murray and the joker out for denver oh uh jimmy butler and um Lowry out for the heat or um everyone from the warriors is out <laughs> so it's just it's just it's, it's hard. Just hard it's hard <laughs> yeah and these in sometimes these teams like like last year for example like milwaukee like did not go full bore to get home home court advantage and it kind of bit them in the ass against the celtics so it's just hard like you know the kings have been a good story in the nba but you know they're underdogs against the Warriors because the Warriors have so much um, equity from the past, and they, you know, the books would be like, you know, the Warriors are going to be the Warriors in come playoff time, and the Kings are just entering uncharted territory. So it'll be fun. Like a lot of people are really high on that uh, Kings Warriors series, and a lot of people are into that uh, Knicks Cavs series. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm count me in. I'll be on board. Cool. Yeah, same here. So it should be really fun, um, and we'll we'll get yeah. I think you know we'll, we'll I'll be following along too. You know, just take looking for value as we go through these weeks, and and same for the NHL. So, fellas, I this has been great again. It's nice to recap the Masters with you again as we start another year of golf coverage. Mike, John, Andy, it's uh, thank you so much. Have a great rest of your weekend and good luck on your scenarios. Enjoy your 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 trip, uh, Mike, and uh, and congrats, John. And congrats, Andy, too, on your pool. That's pretty cool. Um, I'll see you around. Thanks, everybody.
Take care, guys. Good to see you guys. All right, take care, fellas. Take care, everybody. Well, that's our panel. Mike in North Jersey, John in Connecticut, and Andy in Seattle. Really, really great to see them all back here again. Um, and that's our sh- that's our podcast. Um, those of you on Twitch are going to stay on for a little bit longer. We'll keep we'll 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 tell you what's coming up on the sandwich show um, elsewhere. But for those of you on our podcast, thank you so much for listening again. You can catch me um, at um, at Jillian Hayek's channel on Saturday night at eight o'clock Eastern on Twitch. So look for Jillian Hayek. H wait. H-A-Y-E-K, Jillian Hayek on Twitch. And uh, we're going to play a mini golf tournament. It's not going to be quite the same stature as the Masters, but we're going to have, a nevertheless, a very heated tournament. <laughs> it should be really fun. And we play a game called Golf with Friends, and it's really, really, it's really wild. So check us check us out over there um, uh, at Jillian Hayek on on Saturday, if you're listening on the podcast, just look for Jillian at twitch.tv slash Jillian Hayek. Again, H a-Y-E-K. Um, and if you're in our chat tonight on Twitch, uh, here's the link to the to Jillian's channel. Give her a follow so that we... And it's Jillian with two L's, too. So G-I-L-L-I-N-H-A-Y-E-K. And then on Monday, uh, we'll be hanging out with the bylines over on Twitch for the latest sandwich Q&A. And uh, I will also be guest hosting a show at Monster Murky uh, during that same week. So we'll tell you more about that over on, on Sandwich Discord. So for those of you who've been listening to us on the podcast, thank you again. Have a great rest of your night. And we will see you next time. But uh, all the best, and thanks again for your support. So um, if you missed any part of it, of course, check our replays over on Twitch or on YouTube at Sandwich Sports.